You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Election College Episode 74, The Election of 2000. Things go absolutely nuts, and very few of us got sleep for like a couple of weeks. Let's throw a political party. Face it, the political scene sucks, but did it always? It's time for election college, and class is in session. Now, your hosts, Jason Goff and Ben Smith. Hey, Ben. Yeah. Where were you November 7th, 2000? I was probably in uh, seventh grade in school watching election coverage, or at least paying attention to it because I was terribly interested. Yeah, I think a lot of us were interested in how this was going to go down because you had Clinton Mm -hmm. and you had a pretty good economy going on considering all of the dot-com stuff. I mean, think about the internet had just been invented. We were all hopping on... AOL actually is a little after the AOL stuff. Yeah. We're getting pretty comfortable. We just discovered Google. Yeah. We're doing our searches on Google and everything. Yeah. And uh, Tim Russert, remember him for NBC? He had his marker board and he was telling us how this election was proceeding. Jason, there's going to be that one guy who writes in and says, uh, the internet was actually invented in the 60s, um, which it was, but... Come on, you know what we're talking about. The internet was invented in its modern form in the in the mid nineties. So, yeah, I mean, come on, we we know what the internet is, people. <laughs> so anyway, well, and and the fact that the internet exists means everybody knows everything now, right? There's no there's no delay anymore. Not as much as there was. Yeah, I mean, the information has to go to space, but well, yeah. <laughs> well, it's easy to go to space in two thousand. Come on. Yeah, yeah. So here we are. It's two thousand. Clinton can't run again. And November 7th, 2000 is just a wacky, wacky day. So we are here today Uh to talk about the events leading up to that very day. Yeah. Well, you mentioned that Clinton couldn't run again. I don't know if he would have been voted in if he ran again. Because there were some, you know, scandalous things that happened at the end of Clinton's term where he actually was impeached. And uh, for those of you who don't know, impeachment is just a process by which they start actual investigations into you, etc. But needless to say, the country was a bit shaken up about their president having just been impeached. Yeah, the Republicans, I mean, they go after Clinton. Let's just face it. I mean, there were there were all kinds of charges set up against him as being... Um, a lying under oath, and just this was a huge distraction to the presidency. But Clinton recovers somewhat. 
And when you think about Clinton's legacy, you don't really hear too much about impeachment. You mainly hear about, well, this is the time when the Republicans and Democrats, they just got really ugly towards each other. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it never really got nicer. And <laughs> never did recover. So the country knew that somebody else who was like Clinton probably shouldn't win. <laughs> but what do we do? And who else do you go to than the guy who invented the internet? That's right. Al Gore. He, uh, everybody likes Al Gore, it seems like. I mean, it, it, he's, he's kind of the antithesis of Clinton, not necessarily in policy, but as a person. He's very much seen as a family man, very much seen as kind of a down-to-earth guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just, he is likable, especially if you're a Democrat, he's likable. Right. But, um, you know, it, it's hard to vilify Al Gore in a lot of senses. Yeah, he seemed to be a family man and actually as conservative as you could imagine up to this point. I mean, he's made some statements since then that don't sound like a, a traditional conservative. But at this point, he seems like the relatively normal person that you would have in your family that you'd be like hey that's uncle al and he's normal he's like us yeah so bill bradley does come up against al gore in the primaries but really the whole time gore is pretty much the guy yeah and it it's just decisive al gore wins the nomination by um basically unanimous he got all the votes that were cast there were nine abstentions which is kind of a vote against, but not really. Right. <laughs> it's like, well, we don't have anyone else that's really better, but not you. Yeah. And Gore selects Senator Joe Lieberman to be the vice president. He's the first Jewish American ever to be chosen. Yeah. To run on a major political party platform. And it seems to be a pretty conservative, democratic platform at this point. Right. Yeah. I mean... Years later, uh, not before this, but Lieberman actually switches from being a Democrat to being independent. And a lot of people say, well, nobody nobody actually ever thought he was a Democrat. He's always just been kind of a towing party lines. Right. Uh, but yeah, it's overall one of the most conservative Democratic tickets we've seen since probably the, like the 30s. Right. On the Republican side, it's kind of a clash between <laughs> everybody who ran back in 96 Except for Bob Dole. Uh I got Elizabeth Dole to run instead. But it seemed like everybody from 96 decides, hey, I'm going to run again. And we're going to bring a few buddies with us. (laughs) And it's weird. Well, we'll get into this. But it's it's just interesting because the people who become the front runners weren't really the front runners four four years before. Or maybe not even on on the board at all for that matter. Yeah, so enter onto the scene George W. Bush. W. W. You might recognize him from his dad uh, back in uh, (laughs) 92, 88, 92, well, like 84, 88, 92, 96, whatever. Yeah, so Bush has been the governor of Texas, and he is known as being somebody who reaches across the aisle that's uh, working with Democrats in Texas and the party establishment and really George Schultz, who um, was a former cabinet member back in the Reagan and Bush, the first Bush um, days, 
he's garnering all kinds of support um, from th- those what Ben and I have been calling lately the machine, uh-huh. the establishment. Yeah, and so there are a few other people that come out, but for the most part, everybody's like, we really want something we can work with. It's George Bush. But before that happens, um, you know, the, before the Iowa caucus comes around, a bunch of people bail out. They didn't get the endorsements that they needed because Bush is really just a powerhouse. Uh, th- those people were, like Jason mentioned, Elizabeth Dole. You had Dan Quayle coming back, Lamar Alexander, Bob Smith. Pat Buchanan drops out, and he's like, well, I guess I'm going to go to the Reform Party. Right. Why not? Um, and then, you know, you got the mainstays, I guess you could say. Uh, George Bush, John McCain, Alan Keyes, Steve Forbes, Gary Bat. We've we talked about all those people before. Um, and the, the field narrows quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, by the time Iowa rolls around, Bush wins the Iowa caucus with 41% of the vote. And Forbes actually has a decent showing. He gets 30%, and then Alan Keyes gets 14 and then the others. Yeah, the also-rans, I suppose. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> and then kind of, not out of nowhere, but unexpectedly, I guess you could say, uh, New Hampshire comes along. And the New Hampshire primary, we all know, is a big one, too. McCain, who had won only 5% in Iowa, gets a 49% over Bush in the New Hampshire primary. Gary Bauer's like, eh, I'm done. Forbes comes in third in Delaware. Eh, I'm done. And so we're down to three. Yeah. So there was a lot going on in South Carolina at the time. Uh You got the Confederate flag flying over the South Carolina State House. And Senator McCain says, well, it's up to the states to decide. Ooh, that doesn't help him nationally very much. Now, McCain later did recant and say that, yeah, that should be removed. But I think it stayed there, though, didn't it? It actually came down soon after, but still flew until, well, just several months ago. Right. Um, it was flying on the, the grounds of the state house. Yep. Later on, Bob Jones University, a pretty conservative Christian college, endorses Bush, and McCain and a lot of other people criticize him pretty heavily because Bob Jones has, uh, well, not anymore, but had a policy against interracial dating. And then later, McCain refers to Jerry Falwell and Pat Robertson, you know, two pretty big names in the Christian community and uh, many conservative Republicans identify with as agents of intolerance. And so this, you know, kind of hurt Bush a little bit, but it ends up not mattering. Yeah. And what ends up happening actually is McCain wins a few states, but Bush just takes the country by storm. On Super Tuesday, um, Bush wins New York, Ohio, Georgia, Missouri, California, Maryland, and Maine. And McCain never does recover from this. And by the time they get to Texas, where Bush is from, he wins that. He whoops up in Florida, which it helps when your brother is the governor, right? right? (laughs) And by the time the national convention is held in Philly, Bush is the winner. And McCain, I mean, it it doesn't even look close. And in retrospect, it seems like, oh, yeah, when you were living through it, McCain really did have a chance. But I mean, Bush got 1,500, over 1,500 votes or uh, um, elect delegates, and McCain ended up with 275. Yeah. So Bush 
reaches out a hand, asks Dick Cheney, the former Secretary of Defense, hey, um, would you mind to uh, like help me select a running mate, get a team together and, and explore who would be a good running mate? And then like pretty quickly, Bush is like, oh, actually, Cheney, I know I had you looking for somebody, but how about you? And uh, there's a little bit of a, kind of a strange issue. We mentioned this, oh, I don't know, 30, 50 episodes back, <laughs> something like that. But uh, Bush and Cheney are living in the same state. They're from the same state of Texas. Oops. Hurry, Dick, move. Yeah. <laughs> so Dick Cheney <laughs> moves. He'd been a resident of Texas for about 10 years. And the, there's no law prohibiting two candidates, the, the president and vice president, from being from the same state. But there is a restriction that electors can't cast both of their votes for people from the same state. So anyway, Cheney hurries up, goes, moves his registration back to Wyoming, and uh, there's pretty much no way that Bush and Cheney would have gotten, <laughs> well, spoiler, the win if it hadn't <laughs> right. been for him doing that. Yeah. So uh, as far as the other parties go, the Reform Party we mentioned, Pat Buchanan hops over there and says... Hey, I'm gonna run, and um, actually, Donald Trump is at one point saying I'm gonna run as a Reform Party candidate. So kind of interesting there. Yeah. How long has Donald Trump been saying he's gonna run for president? I think it's been rumors for like the last eighty to a hundred years. <laughs> in in the future, there will be a man named Donald Trump. <laughs> So uh, Ralph Nader, he is back and running for the Green Party. And um, you've got the Libertarians, the Constitution, and the Natural Party, Natural Law Party. Uh, they all throw their hat into the rings, but into the rings, into the ring. <laughs> There's only one ring, right? Yep. Bush and Gore, they go at it in the general election. Yeah, so the um, the campaign is pretty much centered around money. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's a lot of the things that's happening. Uh, Gore has the advantage of being on the heels of Clinton, who has done good things, or at least during his, his terms, good things have been done for the national budget. And we've got a projected budget surplus. There are reforms being talked about with Social Security and Medicare and all those kinds of things, taxes. But there's some stuff happening out in the national scene as well. So if you are a Republican, you are going to go after Clinton, right? And you're going to do everything that you can do to tie Gore to Clinton, whether it be what happened in Somalia. If you remember back in 93, 18 Americans were killed um, trying to figure out what in the world was going on there. Cause Somalia just had all these warlords going after each other. And Bush is like, listen, Gore, we are not in the business of building nations. We should be worried about America and what's going on here. So Bush is all about saying we're going to really beef up our capital here, the U.S.'s capital. We're not going to be so consumed with um, going out there in the international scene. And we're going to reform things with government. We're going to get Washington out of people's daily lives and let them do their thing. Like we mentioned earlier, there are still the repercussions from the scandals and impeachment with Bill Clinton, but Gore actually does a pretty good job of distancing himself from them. And in all fairness, Gore wasn't really under question for, for the different things that had happened. And Lieberman actually came out and said, yeah, I'm 
I'm not in favor of what Clinton did. Clinton, Clinton screwed up. And so this really helps people who are kind of on the line or maybe a little bit jaded by the party at this point to really come back around and look at Gore and Lieberman as not part of the establishment as much as they were probably actually part of the establishment, having been, you know, the vice president at the time. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. So if you remember Gore, like slaps a big old wet kiss on the tipper, his wife yeah. at the democratic national convention. And I mean, I, it had to have been that his advisors were like, okay, Go and love your wife. Yes. <laughs> In front of everyone yeah. uh, at the DNC. So people are like, okay, okay. Gore, yeah. Gore loves Tipper. Yeah. Don't forget about Ralph Nader. He's out there. He's a, a third party candidate, of course. And he gets a good bit of the popular vote when it comes down to it, but not enough, of course. And, um, well, the, the Republicans are actually running some pro Nader ads in different states that are usually more likely to go towards the Democrats because they're really trying to, you know, pull votes away mm -hmm. from the Democratic side. So even if you're a Republican, well, you wouldn't just straight out run a Republican ad, right? In a heavily Democratic area, you'd run some ads from a guy who is independent and maybe you can pull away from some, pull away some support. Yeah. It's kind of funny because this campaign really saw the running mates be featured because Dick Cheney, he was out there campaigning like a beast and Lieberman was as well. And both of them had very strong personalities because a lot of times you just would choose a running mate because, well, we need to appease this region or, or whatever. It, it really wasn't like that with Lieberman and with Cheney. It was, this is a strong voice from our particular party who's going to speak out. And I mean, you look at it in hindsight, Cheney was a very vocal vice president. And I think Lieberman would have been as well. Yeah. So there are some debates that everybody's interested in as they usually are. And Perot, remember he was not allowed to come to the debate, be a participant. So after that election, the commission on presidential debates says, okay, well, we need to have some criteria who gets invited, who doesn't, we already know, but let's just go ahead and make it formal. And so basically, if you don't have at least 15% of the vote in the national polls at the time, you can't get in on these debates. Right. So Nader was blocked. Yeah. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> he was blocked from attending a closed circuit screening of the first debate in spite of him holding a ticket Ouch. to the event. And he was barred from attending an interview near the site of the third debate even though he had a perimeter pass. So Nader was like, um, I'm going to sue you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, what actually ends up happening is he settles with the Commission on Presidential Debates. And um, that included an apology. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, there, there's some uh, phrases that are still pretty commonly used. And we have been toying around with two of them. Uh Al Gore invented the internet that came out that came out of this campaign, not just like phrases in popular culture necessarily, mm -hmm. but Al Gore invented the internet. Well, he made a statement that he, you know, put some money into funding the internet, and uh, of course, the Republican <laughs> machine took that and made it into Al Gore. You didn't invent the internet. <laughs> <laughs> and the other one we've said a few times is strategery, and um, you know, I mean strategery, strategery. <laughs> uh, Will Ferrell on Saturday Night Live really. Really does a good George Bush impression. If you haven't seen it, you should check it out. 
but it became actually something that the staffers for the George Bush campaign started using and embracing the word strategery yeah. uh, to talk about their operations and things they were doing. Yeah. Another one, and this really was emphasized <laughs> on Saturday Night Live as well, was Al Gore's lockbox. <laughs> and um, that was the rainy day fund that Gore said that he would do with the federal budget surplus. He would put it in a lockbox. <laughs> so... Yep. I think maybe Saturday Night Live was, they've always been, well, since they've been around in the mid-70s, since the mid-70s, they've had this huge role in American politics, but 2000 was just the epitome of an election that really was ruled almost by Saturday Night Live. Yeah, Yeah. SNL has probably done more for our uh, politics in one way or another than we'd like to admit. Right. <laughs> hey, Jason, do you want to talk about the absolutely insane outcome of this election? Oh, my goodness. Okay. I'm ready. Breathe. Let's do our <laughs> yoga exercises or something. Yes. <laughs> okay. So with the exception of Florida and Tennessee, Bush is like rocking it yeah. in the South. He's He's the winner. And Bush wins Ohio and Indiana, which which Ohio is very important. Mm-hmm. Gore sweeps the northeastern U.S., which is not too wacky, right? Right. That's pretty typical. But Bush gets New Hampshire, which yeah. that's kind of you, you don't know which way New Hampshire is going to go sometimes. Well, Wisconsin and Iowa, we just don't know. Right. Florida. We just don't know. We really don't know Florida. Uh, New Mexico and Oregon, we just don't know. And the networks don't know what to do right. throughout the evening. Yeah. Uh, Tim Russert is erasing and, <laughs> and writing on his um, marker board, if it goes this way, Bush wins. If it goes that way, Gore wins. And most of us, or at least most of us in our house, (laughs) we're up all night thinking, who is going to win this thing, go to sleep, wake up, and they still don't know. Right. And not to give too much away early on, I remember for months after that, because I didn't have a smartphone or anything, they didn't exist, for months after, not months, weeks after that, I would come home and ask my dad, "Who did they get it? Who got it? What happened in the election? Who won? And he's like, we still don't know yet. (laughs) Right. So... Everything is settled with all the states except for Florida. And whoever wins Florida wins the election. Yeah, so the polls close and everybody, uh, all the networks are like, all right, Gore's got Florida. He's got the 25 electoral votes. And at that point, it's just based on exit polls, really. I mean, there's no, no real way to know what the votes are at this point. But then, I mean, basically, he's, de- he's declared the winner of the election. And then... They start actually counting the votes. <laughs> that sounds like a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> so they're counting the votes. And by 10 p.m. Eastern time, because Florida is in two time zones, by the time 10 p.m. comes around, Bush looks like he's going to win. So the networks begin to say, Bush has got Florida. Oops. And then they go back. <laughs> it's undecided. <laughs> we don't know. What the heck? They got 85% of the vo- votes counted. And Bush is actually leading it pretty far. He's got about 100,000 votes on 
on Gore, and we'll we'll skip some of the boring stuff here, but it comes down to three counties that aren't really counted yet, and they all happen to be pretty heavily Democratic. And so Gore is just gaining, 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 and it gets down to Gore's within 2,000 votes of Bush. Yeah, so by the time 4.30 a.m. <laughs> comes around, the networks are saying... Nope, Bush hasn't won. Oops. Um, Gore actually had conceded the election to Bush. Yeah. And this was privately. Right. But he's like, never mind. Oh, I was kidding. <laughs> I, was, I was drunk or something. <laughs> so with everything being so close, because Bush at this point was only leading by 300 votes, it took a week. Right. to determine that Bush was winning by 300 votes. You have to have a recount. Yeah. Because of that. So state they, law. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to start counting those military ballots, right? Mhm. Isn't that unfortunate? Don't you think when you vote from overseas, especially if you're serving in the military, like they should vote they should vote. They should count your votes first. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but not in this case. They they Pull in those votes, and it boosts Bush's lead to about 900 votes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so Gore at this point says, you know what? I want hand recounts in all these really close counties. I think I want hand recounts. The law says I can do it. Um, I'm going to do it. And then <laughs> the Secretary of State of Florida, Catherine Harris, says, okay, you can do it. You're right. That's fine. But if you don't have them in by November 14th, which is not very long after the election, we're not counting them. Sorry. Yeah. And then the Florida Supreme Court says, um, you can move the deadline back to the 26th of November. I remember when they did that. <laughs> I was like, really? It's not over yet? You give them 12 more days, they're going to take 12 more days. Exactly. So, and keep in mind, these are the pictures of the hanging chads. You know, I, I just remember the guy holding up the ballot. Yep. And there was all kinds of talk about, well, this voter intended to vote this way based on what? You know, you had some people voting because um, maybe they thought they were voting for this candidate, but they were actually voting for another one because the Chad hadn't sufficiently been punched. And right. Um, so this is just going on for days and days and days. And I think at some point it would be a great idea if we did an episode on different ways people have voted over the years. Definitely. Because if you look at any of the ballots and you look at some of the machines and you look at different things, I could see how it could have been confusing for some people especially in those counties where you had a slightly older population who maybe had been used to a different method in the past. Yeah. So it's a crazy, confusing time. So the Florida Supreme Court is like, okay, we're going to do a statewide recount. That's fine. We'll do that. And then the Supreme Court of the United States says, no, we're not going to do that. It's unconstitutional. You can't make everybody recount. So if you can't get it done before December 12th, whatever is already certified, that's what counts. Yeah. So at this point, Bush wins Florida. Yeah. By like not very many votes <laughs> <Right>. at all. <laughs> so what it all comes down to is Gore wins the popular vote. I heard one time 
Al Gore gave an introduction for something, and he said, Hi, I'm Al Gore, and I was voted as the president of the United States <laughs> because he won the popular vote. Yeah, and he did. And just to think, if he would have won his home state of Tennessee, he probably would have won the election. Yeah, but he didn't because of the Electoral College. Here it is again, getting crazy up in your face. <laughs> Not that long ago, in, in recent memory, the, the Electoral College sweeps in. Even though George Bush has not the popular vote, he wins the electoral vote by about five <laughs> five votes, period. Yeah. And you look at some of the states that went the other way. You had West Virginia going into the Republican column, which doesn't happen up to this point, doesn't happen very often. Um, you've got Bush losing Connecticut, which was the state of his birth which doesn't happen all the time, but Connecticut's gone Democrat um, pretty often. So it's not like um, that was a big surprise, but just some of the shifting that happened um, plays a big role in this. So, hey, Hawaii, your votes matter. They do. Unlike that time all those years ago where they kind of announced the results before your votes were even in, Uh, but, you know. But we need you. We need you still. So that's the crazy 2000 election. It gets insane. (laughs) (laughs) It really does. And the country continues to be divided uh, over this election. I think um, 9-11 happening, you know, just, well, three quarters of a year later um, helped unify or bring some unification to the country. But you bring this up in mixed company, ladies and gentlemen, there's going to be a fight. Yeah, absolutely. And voting machines are still controversial yeah. because of this. Like, how do the voting machines work? Who has access to the voting machines? Should they be digital? Should they be not digital? Should they have? Should we make it harder for there to be hanging chads? You know, it just goes on and on. Just the matter of the machine that someone's voting on. Yeah. So our intent is not to open these wounds again, but just know it's a part of our history. We were there. Yeah. And we're still Americans. We still love the flag. And uh, yeah, we love each other too. Yeah. Hey, if you have memories of this election or any other, we would love to hear about it. You can reach out to us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at Election College and tell us about something you remember. Maybe we'll even read it on the show. Yeah, we'll see you next time. An official message from Medicare. A new law is helping me save more money on prescription drug costs. Maybe you can save too. With Medicare's Extra Help program, my premium is zero and my out-of-pocket costs are low. Who should apply? Single people making less than $23,000 a year or married couples who make less than $31,000 a year. Even if you don't think you qualify, it pays to find out. Go to ssa.gov extrahelp Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services.